welcome to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Michael Matowitz, economist for the Center for American Progress and creator of the CAP Calculator, which allows people to estimate the cost of their career break. It takes into consideration a whole range of factors, including compensation level, how long the anticipated career break will last, and critical details such as compounding of savings and social security benefits. And we are going to learn a lot more about that today. Hi, Michael. Welcome to 321i Relaunch. Hey, Carol. Thanks for having me. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Um, we was very excited when I saw this calculator uh, come out. Um, and actually, can you remind me when it came out? It's been out for a little while. Yeah, uh, I guess we're coming up on uh, like maybe two and a half years or so. Um, I've, all I can really remember is it came out the weekend that Brexit happened. Oh wow! Okay, so um, I I just um, I just remember when it came out, thinking, "Wow, this is really an incredible tool," and I took a, a very close look at it right away. So I'm so happy to be able to be talking to you about it uh, in detail. I think it's an extremely helpful tool for people who are anticipating a future career break, and also for those of us who are already on our career breaks, um, who are thinking about do how much longer do we want to be on it. Um, versus, you know, the timing of when we uh, get back to work. So I'm going to, going to ask you to explain a little more about the calculator in just a minute. But before we do that, can you talk to us about your background as an economist and how you came to create the calculator in the first place? Yeah. So, I mean, my my day job is I'm an economist who looks a lot at the labor market. It means, it means I care a lot about wages and, and sort of figuring out what, what drives what people earn. And so, you know, this is not, in some sense, this can be like fairly detailed, but, you know, for the most part, it's usually the things you think of. It's things like how much education you have, how much experience you have. And, you know, there are other factors that also play a role, that also play a role. In, and those are sort of the ones that we sort of have gotten to the point where we're teasing away at now. Um, so wait, but just tell us a, a little uh, a little bit of background. Um, so you have been an economist at CAP for how long? And then what made you think uh, all of a sudden, did you just wake up one day and think, we need to have a calculator? Or like, how did that idea form in your head? Yeah, so I've been at CAP for almost five years now as an economist. Uh, I believe I started here right around the time we had our first child. Um, and I'm married to a mathematician, so we we maybe maybe decisions a little differently than uh, than some fans do. Uh, they're perhaps a bit more quantitative in fact. Um, and you know so we when we were talking about how we were going to handle having children and and, and child care events, uh, we're both pretty equal in salary. We were kind of thinking through, like, does it make sense for us to take, one of us to take a long break, neither of us to take a break, us to each take short breaks. Um, and I sort of having known how economists measure this stuff for a while was, you know, like any 
person who's like a Gen X millennial edge first person, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll go to the internet and I'll just like look up some sort of tool that lets me figure this out. Because, you know, if you've looked at the, the way I kind of study this stuff, this calculation should look a lot like a retirement decision. And so I figured, you know, someone must have done something where they had repurposed a retirement calculator or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's going to help you extrapolate, you know, what's the, the full lifetime cost of what I'm going to do over the next couple of years. Interesting. So when you went to look for that, did you find a retirement calculator that you based this on or was there nothing out there like this? So I never found anything and that, that like I must not know the right terminology or something because it seemed sufficiently obvious to someone with my quantitative bent uh, that I was, you know, right. So I'm an economist, I believe in efficient markets. So clearly someone would have done this. Uh, and then, you know, we, we eventually figured out our childcare situation and our break situation. And then like, much shorter than we really planned thereafter, uh, we were having a second child. And so <laughs> I back to repeat this very same ritual. And like, at this point, and I really did convince myself this didn't exist. And, you know, I kind of went through some, the, the best research I could find at the time. Uh, I was very inspired by Emily Oster, this great book for, uh, She's in the process of having a second book. Um, she's an economist at Brown. She has a great book called Expecting Better. And it sort of goes through all the medical research on pregnancy and like talks about where the statistics are good and bad. And you know, she kind of goes through it and, and explains in a very accessible way how she basically, you know, read all the medical literature she needed to know which rules to follow when she was pregnant, and then she wrote up her stuff so other people didn't have to do all that. Um, so after I'd gone through and done all these calculations for myself, I went to, you know, my employer and was like, you know, this is a topic that I think a lot of people would be really interested in. We do a lot of work in, in childcare space and in, in paid leave space. And so this seemed like a natural fit to kind of, you know, do a version of this that we could release through the Center for American Progress and, and available for, you know, for people who don't really want to go read a bunch of regression tables. Wow. Okay. So that's super interesting. So um, then presumably they said yes, because you went ahead and did this. And so how did you figure out how to translate the calculations that you made for your individual situation into a calculator that had, I'm guessing, aggregate data about a lot of different factors that go into the calculation? Um, like what were the first few steps and how did you put it together and what types of research were you looking at uh, to make it happen? Yeah. I mean, it turns out that like the little Excel model that I built for my, for my personal use was not exactly something my employer was dying to release. Um, they, they were also interested in a little better sourcing. Right. Um, so, I mean, that actually ended up being really fun for me because we ended up going, you know, we found the paper that, that had done a pretty good job of measuring the effect of career breaks on earnings. Uh, we talked to the author. We went back to the original data shoes, which is from the National Longitudinal Survey of Youth, of Youth which is a, a, a bunch of people they survey every two years uh, since 1979. And we thank them so much for their service so we can learn about things like this. Um, and, you know, 
we had, I think, probably an extra 10 or 12 years of data beyond what she had had when she did this model. So we were actually able to go back and update her study. And, you know, her, her original model looked even better with more data. There were some, you know, because of where things left off, uh, I, I think she had to do a lot of projecting out what was going to happen after about age 30, which, you know, like that's actually a, a point where the income distribution isn't super stable across individuals. And so like having an extra decade of, of what happened over that period, um, it meant we could use some much more straightforward models to get to, you know, to, to make a, a much more easy to understand effect. So, you know, we did that. Um, we got a sense of, of how much, you know, a, how much your salary depends on how much you earn, or sorry, how much your future salary is going to depend on how much you earn and, and whether you stay in the labor force. And, you know, B, we got the sense of, of how that's going to compound over time. And then, you know, because we were trying to communicate something that looked like a retirement calculator or like a, you know, that kind of compound decision, uh, we we talked to some of the people here who do graphics work and and sort of user interface work. And we were like, so it seems like this could look like a retirement calculator or like something else. You know, what, what do you think we should do? And they said, please don't own in something new. Like this is already going to be uh, a sufficiently nerdy way of looking at this that you don't need to give people like a whole new frame of reference. So you know, to the extent that the people who are who are making long-term financial decisions are used to using a retirement calculator type setup, like that's that's definitely the foundation you should start with. Uh, um, and then we had this really interesting kind of trade-off of, of of like, so this is what the the actual research says, and and it's like to four decimal places, this is what this would look like. And then the designers mm-hmm. would come back to us and be like, right. And and obviously you weren't going to use the four decimal places, right? And <laughs> and we were like, yeah, so, so never even crossed our minds. Right. Um, but yeah, so, and then, you know, we kind of went through the, the sort of the obvious lifetime costs. So, you know, if you take time off work, you're not going to get paid while you're not at work. Right. Um, we then get a reasonable, get a reasonable estimate of what kind of, Effect that's likely to have on your future wage growth. Um, so we we know who don't take breaks have slightly faster wage growth over the course of their careers than people who do, uh, at least post break. Um, and then uh, so it turns out this differs by gender. This isn't totally shocking if you're deeply versed in economic theory because it sort of looks like the statistical discrimination type argument where. Uh, employers kind of assume that one partner will take time off for a career, uh, at, typically to do childcare work or other care care, um, and that that is not uniformly distributed among genders, and that we can expect or that we typically see employers actually do seem to place in some kind of premium in what they're paying people before. They take a career break, and then once you get past the phase where a break would happen, you see larger returns occurring to people who kind of signal that they're not going to be a worker who takes that time off. Um, so we we figure those things in, and then we also figure in what would happen to your retirement. Uh, we also let you play with that because people have different retirement accounts and different retirement preferences, um, and then. 
you know, we also figured we should do social security because, you know, everyone has some. And it turned out that was like, I mean, A, very useful. B, like, it is really hard to calculate social security on a forward-looking basis. It turns out that um, in something that might horrify those of us who are concerned about uh, how well people are going to maintain their standard of living in retirement, like most of the material you can find online for how to calculate your social security benefit is aimed at an audience that's somewhere around like 58 or older. And if you've done any retirement planning, you probably know that's a bit late to start thinking about it. Right. So, you know, there was like a series of back solving and some uh, off the record chats with uh, people who had worked for the Social Security Administration as actuaries before, uh, just so we weren't being stupid about things. Uh, but we finally managed to like cobble all that together in a way that we felt was was nice and rigorous. And then we uh, held our breath and waited for somebody to see. Oh yeah, of course we we built that tool five years ago. I can't believe you didn't find it. And <laughs> right. And here we and here we are a couple of years later. And guess we're still the only people who've done this. I'm, I'm I keep waiting for someone to be like, we we think you did this all wrong. This is actually how you should do it. We built a new one. And this one's better. Um, and I really am going to be happy when when more people do that. For now, this seems like the best thing that I, you know, I'm obviously biased, but it's like the, the most comprehensive way that I found to look at it. Right. I haven't seen anything out uh, like it uh, before or after, and I'm on the lookout for this kind of thing all the time. Um, so from start to finish, how long did it take you to complete the calculator before it was done and ready to present to the public? Uh, I'd say it was like maybe a total six month process. And I'd say like roughly the first month of that was kind of, you know, like we were probably like the usual 80, 20 thing. Like we were probably like 80% there in the first month and then like getting it to the point where it was like good to go. That took a bit longer. Right. And we're going to talk about at the end, I'm going to ask you to give people the URL so they can access the calculator. But assuming that I'm on the page with the calculator, um, what do I actually do in order to make the calculation happen? What kind of inputs do I need to put in? Uh, so it's not actually that that difficult. I mean, we, we tried really hard to make it a, a pretty small number of parameters. Um, you know, it It'll make some assumptions for you about what your retirement contributions are going to look like. You can adjust those, but you know the bare minimum you need is if you give it your age, your salary, uh, when you plan to take time off, and how long you want to take off. It'll give you back sort of a lifetime cost of of that number or of that career break. You know, and it'll also give you a breakdown of how much of that is just the straight foregone earnings, how much of that is lost earnings growth over the time when you come back to work, and how much of that is foregone retirement savings. Got it. Uh, and I'll talk to you about um, my, my own experience with it in a second, but I want to remind um, those of you who are just tuning in right now that you are listening to 321 iRelaunch. This is Carol Fishman Cohen, your host, and we are speaking with economist Michael Matowitz about his, uh, who created the CAP calculator, which allows people to estimate the cost of their career break. So we were just talking about all the elements that went into creating it and, 
and when you're actually on um, the page with the calculator, what kind of input you have to put in. Um, and Michael was kind of walking through uh, the salary that that you um, left or are leaving, the the uh, length of your career break. And I'm just thinking that. Um, uh, you know, you could put in different scenarios in terms of how long your career break might last, because um, when we we are talking to thousands of relaunchers over time and there's so many people who say, you know, I only meant to take a two year career break. But the next thing I knew, I woke up in it and 10 years had gone by. So um, it's probably helpful for people who might be anticipating a career break to try different um, numbers of years of, of career break to see what the costs are, whether it's, you know, two years, five years or 10 years or, or, or something else. Um, so, you know, you already walked us through a little bit about the this more comprehensive analysis and some of the um, research that you used and some of the assumptions uh, that, that were used in um, in creating the calculator itself. Um, I'm wondering, Michael, have you heard back from people uh, who have used the calculator um, and gotten any reactions one way or the other? And are they people who are using it, anticipating it, a future career break or people who are using it retrospectively to see what they had, what they were giving up and only recognizing it now or quantifying it now? Yeah, it's actually a really interesting mix of reactions. I mean, when when I sort of was thinking through this, I was at a very specific phase in my life where I was kind of, I mean, we almost built, we almost did this out of frustration the first time. I mean, we're very into, you know, we think there are trade-offs involved in, in any sort of, you know, childcare arrangement. And, you know, I just, I felt like we were going through this pretty large financial decision and it was like being in a restaurant with like no prices on the menu. And, mm. you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, you know, just, just telling me what the thing costs and that's going to help me a lot in making my decision. Right. Um, so we were very into sort of figuring out what, what our childcare costs were going to look like uh, if we hired them out in terms of like going through a nanny or a nanny chair, or if we were paying for a childcare center. And then we were also interested in trying to figure out what the, what our costs would be if we were taking those on ourselves. I, I think part of what we were thinking through is just that we, we sort of, we knew that they were going to be more than just sort of the sticker price of like, well, I make $30,000 this year. So if I take this year off, I'll lose $30,000. Like we knew that wasn't how like long-term decisions tend to work financially. And so, you know, we were kind of expecting the number to be significantly bigger than that. Um, So it turns out that like, like most people who are, you know, looking at this thing at all are not in fact, you know, six months pregnant and trying to have their childcare arrangement. They're like either trying to, time when they're going to have their children and how long they're going to have their children and how long they're going to take off or they have already you know taken their career breaks and interested in looking at at what things like so i mean overwhelmingly the reaction that i've gotten from people who are uh significantly younger and, and sort of looking at this and you know thinking about how large of a family they want to have and when they want to have it has been this is really depressing. These numbers are huge. Why did you do this? If I didn't know this, I would have been, you know, right. so much more gung ho. Um, and you know, I it's it's an interesting like place to be in too, because like you feel like I don't know. I, I feel kind of bad about this. Like I don't. I don't. I'm, it's obviously 
I'm not the one who's personally responsible for the fact that uh, career breaks can be expensive. Um, and on some level, I feel like I'm kind of doing good if I'm letting people see, you know, the actual price of something. But I also totally get the, you know, I also totally get the reaction of like, wow, this is so much more intimidating than I thought it was going to be. And I already thought it was going to be intimidating. You know, I, I, we're, we're going through this now as we sort of start to think about like, okay, so how soon do we have to have enough money saved for college for these like five-year-olds? Um, you know, it's like, a, it's like a similar level of sticker shock. Um, and then, you know, I've also... I, I think one of the most interesting reactions I got was like one of the last few people I showed this to was a, a, a good friend and colleague. And uh, I believe her youngest daughter was finishing high school that year. And, uh, and she was like, yeah, I, you know, at first I was really, I was really good. And then I, I went through and I did it. And then I, I, I looked at numbers and I was kind of, I sort of wished I hadn't done it. Cause like, I always knew there was a cost to it. And I always kind of knew it was large, but I didn't really want to put a number on it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then once I could put a number on it, I definitely wanted to put a number on it. And then once I saw the number, I really regretted putting a number on it because, you know, sometimes it's easier to just chalk things up, things up to counting. And I, I totally see that. I think, you know, uh, I think that's one, re you know, that, that's, that's one reason that I'm kind of, I'm keen on having this information out there is, you know, the, it's one thing like, if you take a, you know, a two-year break or a ten-year break, and and you you're really happy with that in twenty years, like that's that's the goal, right? Right. I mean, I I agree. I think eyes wide open. You, you know, I I think that has to be the approach. And and I'm saying that having calculated my own, I I, I took an eleven year career break, and I actually went back to work. And um, at, at, I was at a investment bank, and it collapsed while I was on maternity leave with my first child, and had three more kids in close succession. Was out for eleven years, and then came back to another investment firm, and. Um, uh, you know, but it was after an 11 year break and I did, that was all before um, starting my relaunch. So I did a calculation on that um, and I was uh, pretty stunned by the number of what it cost me, uh, even though it was an unanticipated career break. I remember thinking, I'm, I'm not going to go looking for the next big job right now. I have this baby at home and I knew that I was going to probably have another one in quick succession. And so, but I'm thinking now if I had known what the cost was going to be of that career break, maybe I would have thought about going for that next big job uh, sooner or, you know, or thought about taking a shorter career break. So I think it forces people uh, to think about some very important decisions for themselves um, and maybe to look at these decisions a little differently. One thing I, I wanted to um, talk to you about was, you know, Manpower Group came out with a study at the end of 2016 of millennials, and it showed that 84% of millennials were anticipating a future career break of one kind or another. Now, they defined that as a career break of four weeks or longer, but they did give data on exact, they broke it down by gender and exactly why people were anticipating these career breaks. So of course, more of the women were anticipating career breaks for caregiving reasons and those suggested multi-year career breaks, but you know, both male and female were anticipating um, longer career breaks for supporting their spouse's career or some sort of a personal adventure or an educational experience different from, yeah, I wanna take a month off to go on my honeymoon or something like that. 
Um, so first of all, we have more um, younger people anticipating career breaks than we've ever seen uh, before. Um, and then the other thing that we're seeing at the same time is when people are looking about out, out at, um, should I, you know, really seems that it's going to be a break-even proposition by the time I figure out the childcare cost and the cost of working. And in terms of, should I go back after I've had a baby, for example? And we find that they're looking at it in terms of the incremental amount of money that they work, that they're making by working versus the costs of um, now having this child and cost of going back to work, as opposed to if they have a spouse or partner, their combined projected income going forward versus those costs. And I just wanted to know if you had any comments on that and, and you know, people looking at that one way or the other. No, I think that's actually unsumable. That's kind of, that seems really like where I would expect the conversation to be. I mean, I think we are increasingly childbearing, like at least among couples is very much a partnership. Um, and and frankly, so is, is the non-childbearing portion of marriage. I mean, I, you know, I say this myself. So, as as an economist married to a mathematician, uh, I live in, in lovely Washington D.C., and we moved here from San Diego. And the reason we did that was because it was the location that worked best for a couple that was one economist and one mathematician, and wanted to find jobs that made use of their skills. And you know, individually, we may have been able to do better moving to one, you know, another location. But we sort of felt like jointly this was probably the right move. It was really easy for me to see on paper once I'd done these calculations that, like, you know, being a a heavier lifting uh, caregiving partner and allowing my my partner to get more, you know, to take a shorter break from work is like immensely financially rewarding. Um, you know, it, it, like literally to the point of when we were like running these numbers, we were kind of we're getting like one additional year off at some point. And I think we, we kind of had in mind that it was going to be, you know, like before we, we ran the whole thing, it was like, oh, this, this might cost us like what a nice car would cost. And then by the time we ran them, it was like, we were looking at like, that's like what a house costs, wow. which is like a very, a very different decision. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad we ran those numbers because I don't really plan to buy too many excess houses. <laughs> Exactly. And I, I also wonder if you, you know, here we are in a full, full employment economy right now, but of course we're coming at, um, out of this um, recession, this incredibly crippling recession. Um, and we do know from the uh, couples that we were talking to um, where one was on um, career break and, and the other was working that when we were in the depths of that recession, we had people um, saying that this was the the um, severity of the recession was accelerating their interest in um, returning to work maybe sooner than what they thought, uh, th th than how long they thought it would be because they did not want to be reliant on only one employer um, in an unstable economy. Um, and also, they maybe they didn't have immediate financial need, but they were seeing looming um, financial needs in terms of, as you had mentioned, you know, college tuitions, or maybe we haven't saved enough for retirement. So any, um, any comment on just the state of the economy and how that um, might influence uh, decision-making around this? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, 
one challenges is that you know it it can sometimes take being in a position of of sort of like financial interest to kind of examine your your household budget situation um and you know i think one thing that's that's sort of a blessing now is that you have such a strong economy that you know if you if you want to change your plan and get back into work right now you know it's an unusually good to do that and frankly it's easier to keep a job than to get a job um and so you know if you, like people who spent a really long time doing these grueling job searches where the, the job market was was so tough you know i think they would be extremely grateful for the opportunity to go put me out and get calls back within days which you know was just not happening for years right boy do i remember that time um we had so many relaunchers looking to go back during that time um versus now um also you know interestingly just as an aside so we do most of our work with big companies and we run a return to work conference that in new york and now we also uh run it um in the bay area at stanford but we have our next one coming up um in new york at columbia and that one we've run for years there and uh we even all the way through the recession, we had, because we've now run the conference 22 times since 2008, so we rode all the way through the recession with it, and we always had more and more companies um, sponsor that conference every time we ran it, even as we went into the recession and then started to come out. And we were always, we were impressed by how forward thinking the companies were in terms of their pipeline building, um, even if they might've had hiring freezes or or layoffs um, in the current day, they would might be sponsoring because they were thinking, well, going forward, we're actually gonna be want, gonna wanna be tapping this population. So that was just something else that we saw that was, that was kind of interesting um, as the economy changed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know the one thing that that is sort of interesting to think about these these longer term companies is that they are, you know, they know they're in the market for skills, and they know they're not in the market for skills in a five minute sense. Um, yes. You know, the sort of dynamic planning that goes on now. You know, you saw this with, I, I believe it was the auto industry. Like it, you know, when Americans were not buying cars in the recession, uh, car companies were doing really very favorable leases just to get cars on the market. And when you asked them why they were doing this, they were saying, we need a pipeline of three-year-old used cars to sell in three years. So we're mm-hmm. taking us on these new cars now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is interesting to see what the, the thinking is in general when these companies have these dynamic needs. Um, and, you know, it's important to like keep that in mind too, because when you have a valuable skill set, the, the set is going to be valuable in the future, even if the economy is not particularly robust in the short term. Right. Super interesting example. Thank you. Well, Michael, uh, we are actually out of time. So um, I want to close by asking you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, which is the best piece of advice for our relauncher audience or or potentially relaunchers to be, people who are contemplating a career break, um, even if it's something that we've already talked about uh, in our conversation today. Yeah, I mean, I I would guess I'd say building on my own experience, I think like viewing it as a a joint decision where you're both going to do some degree of relaunching. I think almost everyone who has uh, gone through the uh, joys of New Parenthood will tell you uh, there is in fact what economists call a productivity shock that accompanies that. and and that that may or may not result in a a 
discrete career break, right? So, you know, it may be that you are going to do uh, less of a fewer 60 hour weeks than 30 hour weeks. And, you know, it may also be you're going to do a job that's going to keep your skills sharp, keep in the labor market, but not really stretch you for a couple of years. And one of the more important things that I, uh, that I and my partner have found is as our children have become a little more self-sufficient and a little less of a resource, I don't want to say a resource drain, uh, <laughs> As our, as our children have become a little more self-sufficient and we've had a little more time to commitment to our careers is sort of keeping in mind that you know, we were never 100% in or 100% out when we have kids. So, yeah. So even when we are on the job, you know, there are opportunities are going to come along where if you have a relationship with your partner that allows you to do some give and take and when you get a really good opportunity, being on a full-time job doesn't mean there's not going to be opportunities for you to launch into a, a much better path. Right. Well, thank you very much. That's excellent advice. And Michael, can you tell us how people can find out more about the calculator and your work? Is there a URL or something that, that they can look up? Yeah. So if you want to use the, the interactive tool, uh, I believe it still will work on all the modern phones, uh, which I was very proud of. Uh, it's uh, you can find it at interactives.americanprogress.org/childcosts, uh, and that is an extremely long string. It's not exactly audio friendly. Um, another way to find it is I think it's probably going to live permanently pinned to the top of my Twitter handle. Um, that's a shorter string of words, but uh, I have a Polish last name, so it's Mike Matowitz at Twitter. Um, can you but spell it? can link to something. Can you spell it? Uh, yeah, so first name is Mike, and then it's M-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Michael, for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Carol. This was really fun. Yeah, I thought so, too. You've been listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch. And if you want to find out more about I Relaunch, go to irelaunch.com. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.